Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and many more. Now, this is a show where we talk to proven founders about their zero to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable full stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in-house developers, and you know you can trust your SaaS or mobile app with us. We'll give you the first 30 days, no risk. And we guarantee being on time and on budget, or we finish the project at no extra cost. Contact us at onestop.io. Let's talk about your SaaS project today. Today, I have Casey Stanton, founder of CMOX.co. Casey has been helping enterprise companies like Fastmail and Apostrophe CMS run their marketing strategies and platforms. We're going to talk through how Casey would go about helping you launch or grow your SaaS product. How are you today, Casey? Hey, doing great. Thanks for having me on, Jordy. Yeah, pleasure. I gave you a quick intro, but why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are? Sure. So um, I graduated college in 2008 into the housing crisis and couldn't find a job for the life of me. And I really struggled finding work and ended up mowing lawns. And this guy had a beautiful house. And I just was kind of bold one day. And I asked him, hey, man, how'd you do it? Like, how did you get this beautiful house on the lake? This seems like you kind of got it all. And he said, well, I invented a product and I sold it. And I've got distributors who sell my product for me. And that was eye-opening for me. Uh, a couple of weeks later, I kind of worked up the confidence to ask him, hey, man, can I sell your product? And he said, sure. And I tried to get you know a deal. I wanted him to front me some units because I was kind of broke, right? Mowing lawns. And mm -hmm. uh, he said to me, um, no, you got to buy it like everyone else does. So I mowed for a couple more weeks, ultimately bought some units, and then went door to door and sold. And I made more money in one day selling those units than I made in the, the two weeks prior mowing lawns. And I knew I was onto something, but I'm from a small town in Northern Michigan and you just can't knock on all the doors up there because they're so far apart, right? Between every house is a farm. So I knew I had to do something to sell those units. So I did the only thing I could think of, which was take them online. And that's where I discovered that marketing was the ability to multiply your salesmanship. So I could go sell door to door just fine, but how do I multiply that? How do I do less effort and get more of a result? That was marketing. And since then, I've been marketing products and services online and started a company called CMOX, which is CMO Exponential. And we provide fractional or part-time chief marketing officers. So I've got a pragmatic process that I call the functional marketing framework. And we deploy that into seven and eight figure businesses to help them scale. We've also helped uh, six figure businesses and, and startups figure out the right marketing campaigns to run. And we provide that marketing strategy and then they hire internally with our support, the right marketing technicians to do the job. We're like the anti-agency. You know, We come in and we provide you with all the strategy and then we help you find the right bench so that you're not paying high agency fees and instead you're getting the best bang for your buck. So that's what we do today. And I train experienced marketers to become fractional CMOs and we have a hell of a lot of fun doing it. Okay, that's great. Uh, and great story too, I love that. So it sounds like basically the chief 
problem that you're solving is also so these companies don't need to hire uh, like an in-house CMO at 120,000 a year or whatever, right? Yeah, right. Glassdoor says it's like 170,000 dollars a year for a good CMO. And if you're in the SaaS space, which is like definitely a more aggressive space, you need someone who's really on top of things, and you're just going to yeah. pay a premium for the right person there. So you can have the right strategy. And what I find in in a lot of companies is like the strategy is like let's say it's difficult to come up with, right? Um, mm -hmm. To find the right strategy, but like. Once you have it, you got it. And it's just like stay the course. You don't need right. to continue paying that CMO unless you have reason for it. But we're living in a COVID environment. We're recording this here in 2020 and um, people aren't going to live events. CMOs aren't shaking hands with people. You know, they're, everything's digital. So I think there's less and less of a need for a full-time CMO. And I think as a result, smart SaaS companies are taking advantage of fractional services, just like hiring OneStop.io. Right? You don't need an in-house developer. You just need the right developer to knock out the job. And you guys have that. We've got the same kind of thing, but for you know the highest level in marketing, which is the CMO. Okay, that's great. So uh, you, you mentioned a little bit about your customer, but what specifically makes a good customer for you? Like what's your client avatar? Perfect customer. Yeah, so we have a couple different ones, um, what we found through the years. And sometimes great customers for us are PE groups, right? private equity groups. Um, private mm -hmm. equity groups will go and acquire a company and they have a good mathematical equation to grow that company. They know if they acquire a bunch of companies that are similar, like in behavioral health, and then they do a roll up, like that's valuable, but they're not considering how they can change the math with marketing. So a company like that, having a CMO to create a almost like franchise wide marketing process is really helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are great clients for us, PE, and then also obviously franchise. Other companies that we do really well with our companies who have been offline, who are looking to go online and want to have digital products or services um, that have margin. You know, digital is great because the cost to deliver a digital service is near zero, and that yeah. can allow for a lot of profitability. Obviously, as everyone here in SaaS is listening, uh, but we also have clients that are in the physical goods space. So both B two B and B two C, we're kind of across the board. And the way that we can be across the board is again this pragmatic functional marketing framework, which gets deployed in these businesses. And then who does the deployment is an experienced marketer who's trained in my process, who has the experience in, in your industry. So for example, um, we've got someone who's really experienced with the cannabis space. And mm -hmm. that person knows everything about cannabis. They know everything about the laws. So that's the right... The founder, you mean? You're talking about the founder. Uh, no, this is one of our fractional CMOs. So they can go into cannabis businesses and help. Okay, I see. And for them, like what makes sense? You know, there's cannabis POS. There's cannabis logistics. There's, you know, e-commerce, right? There's mm -hmm. um, information sites. There's like all sorts of different business models inside of that industry and the question of like who our deal customer is, is it's kind of varied because we have experts who are experts in these individual you know verticals mm. do you help hire the marketing technicians i mean is there a certain type of candidate that you're looking for yeah absolutely and well there's two things there so there's the cmo so we look for experienced marketers to train them to become fractional cmos so that's one but then the second piece okay. is when a cmo works with a business this goes back to like the the reason that i created CMOX, which was I was a full-time chief marketing officer and I was paid market rate, but I didn't have enough budget to actually get stuff done. So I was forced mm -hmm. to like do it all myself. And I'm not the expert in Google ads. I don't wake up every day and look at the latest on SEO, you know, like what algorithm changes are. So you need someone who does that stuff. So what I did was I reduced my hours with that company and worked less and um, was able then to 
just do the strategy and then hire the right technicians to do the job. And there is like day-to-day -day technician work that I think everyone listening should consider. Like, do I need a day-to-day -day marketer? And the answer is like, probably yes, but I don't think that person is necessarily very expensive. So we have a simple process and I've got it on like a free training on our website, which is how to find, hire and train an in-house marketer. And yeah. I think you should go out, you being anyone who's listening, go out and get a in-house marketer and you want to pay them 20, 25, 30 bucks an hour if they're in the US. And they're going to work 10 to 20 hours a week for you. That's going to be a thousand to $2,500 a month. And that person's going to be doing all of like the lever pulling. They're the people who are going to be posting here and sending these emails and doing all these kind of things. Now they need strategy, but we help yeah. organizations you know, find and hire that. And if you don't mind, mm -hmm. like that free presentation is at cmox.co slash hire. And there's just like a free presentation there that you can watch. And it's like uh, 45 minutes long on how to find, hire, and train an in-house marketer. Okay, that makes sense. So essentially, you could do maybe with sort of three of these part-time guys because the skill sets may be different. Maybe one guy's SEO, one guy's doing paid traffic, and another guy's uh, doing social media. Or, or are you looking for like a well-rounded guy to kind of go in and do everything? Yeah, great question. So I want someone who's willing to do it all. And I think that one of the key skills of a marketing technician is they have to be a good writer and they have to be detail oriented and just like get joy from checking tasks off because they have a lot of routine tasks that we need them to do. Yeah. You mentioned, do you know, do you need someone for email versus social versus paid ads? Well, I think paid ads is different than email. And I think paid ads is a specialty, but you know, it kind of depends on the company that's listening. Don't think of like Google ads as just being difficult. Think of it as being like really easy to set up branded keyword terms and everyone should probably have that or some basic keywords. But then there's like, there's the deep and complex and like the Google ad campaign that needs regular review and improvement. And that needs an expert on it. You know, you mm -hmm. could build an expert out of it and that might be most cost effective, but it's going to take the most time. So what I like to do typically is um, have the marketing technician do a basic Google ad campaign, let's say, like a branded keyword terms. And once that's live, then pull in an expert to come up with the big campaign. And then that expert deploys that and you pay a premium for that. And then your marketing yeah. technician learns what they did and then they manage it themselves. And they manage it. So it's kind of like a one-off from the, you don't want to pay the recurring yeah. on the big agency. Totally. And that agency, okay. like I worked in an agency for eight years and we made our profit after that like second month. And after the second yeah. month, it was all routine. It was just like, okay, every day I click Easy that buttons. a technician could easily do. That makes sense. Totally. Yeah. So pay the premium for the work to get done on the front end, but then take it over yourself. And, and I say that, and the only way that you can do that, though, is if you tightly manage your team, right? Yeah. So like in the software space, you're really familiar with like agile scrums, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, agile processes can be applied to marketing. You can do a stand-up. Everyone can have rocks or outcomes. You can work inside of a two-week sprint. Mm -hmm. You know, if you do those things in marketing, you're going to get more shit done in less time. Yeah, and that be makes accountable. sense. Yeah. Okay, great. So let's run through a couple of examples. Let's say I'm a SaaS startup. I've I've got some funding and I'm really a founder and I need some marketing help. Where do you start? Like just take me through like how you would go give me a specific okay. like what are you guys selling? Like Okay, for example, I'm selling a product. Uh, well, we can we can use one of my products, actually. Um, I just launched something. It's got a low price, but it's a time management. It's basically a time management app. And 
it, the price is low, so you can use whatever price you want that justifies the service. So price is irrelevant, but let's say it's like a normal SaaS price to say uh, $50 a month or something like that with a package up to 100 Where would you start? Like literally out the door, okay, I'm starting with some SEO, but I have no idea how, you know, how to get some traction. Where would you start? Yeah, great question. Okay, so the assumption is that a developer just said, you know what, I know this is working for other people, this product, someone else is selling it. So I'm going to lock myself in a closet for the next two weeks and I'm going to produce a, a product that I can sell. So like that's the, and they're like opening the closet door. They're like, I've got the thing. What do I do with it? And the first thing that I want to say before I dive into marketing campaigns is you have to stay the course. So I'm going to come up with some campaigns here, just kind of think on the fly, but you cannot do all of them. So think first of like Airbnb. How did Airbnb win? What was their growth hack? Their growth hack was we've got properties that people want to rent. Well, how do we get that customer side, right? It's like a two-sided business, right? They've got like the properties and they got the people. How do we get the people? How do we get people that want to book rooms? Well, where are those people? Oh, they're on Craigslist. Okay, post every listing on Craigslist. And that's what they did. And as a result, they pulled Craigslist traffic. That was mm -hmm. their hack. They could have done cold email and LinkedIn and yada yada and SEO and PPC and all these other things and social media and webinars and direct mail. They could have done everything else, but really they focused on the one thing that they knew was really effective. And I don't know what percentage of their effort was on that one effective thing. Maybe it was 80% of their effort, but it certainly wasn't 10%. So as we start diving into solving your problem, as you listen here, like the listener, do not think that you can do everything. Because if you do everything, you'll do nothing well. And it's possible to win in any of these avenues alone. Maybe one is marginally better than another, but it's really about who you are, what capabilities you have, you know, what feels right for you, et cetera. Okay, so that caveat aside, where would I go with the time tracking software? My first question is like, how do I get social proof? So there's a great marketer named Gary Bensavanga, and he's got this thing called the Bensavanga persuasion equation, which I think is just a wonderful name. And he says that effectively, anyone can create a product and say it's as good as anyone else's. Right? They can just mm -hmm. say that. They can make claims. Online, we can make claims. So I can say, this is the fastest loading, lightest weight time tracking tool ever. And it's like, is it? Is it not? Who knows, right? Like You can lay these claims and that is a problem with marketing. The only way to defend those claims, the only way to set yourself apart is to have social proof. So mm -hmm. the first thing I would do is I would get proof, right? Quit adding new features to your time tracking software. Pause for a minute. You've got something that's mm -hmm. good enough. It works. Go get proof. Yeah. By any means necessary. So how do you get proof? I launched a program this time last year and I got my friends and family on it. And mm -hmm. I said, hey, I'm going to charge a lot for it. I'll give it to you for a hundred bucks. And if you complete it, I'll give you your money back. I just want a testimonial at the end. So that happened. They went through the program. I got the feedback, you know, refunded some people. Some people are just like, keep the money. That was awesome. And as a result, I have now testimonials that I can use to sell that service. So consider as the listener, how you can create social proof. That social proof is what people look for. They want to see it worked for them. Oh, cool. I'm a lot like them. You know, you want to apply that to. Yeah. When you look at social proof, you say, you're kind of shopping around and saying, oh, is that person like me? Is that person like me? And you look until you find that person who's like the most like you, right? Okay. So I would say social proof is your first thing. Go get it. So and social proof, you're just talking about testimonials on the web. I'm talking about testimonials. I'm talking, yeah, 
Testimonials, I think, is the biggest one. Case okay. studies, if you can. I mean, everyone yeah. loves a case study. I think if you want to look at a great case study page, intercom.io, which might be intercom.com now, they've got a tab that's called like our customers, and they just do a uh -huh. really nice job of showing their social proof. So that's one way to do it. Um, if you look at apostrophecms.org, mm -hmm. uh, we built the social proof there for their work with Kimpton Hotel Group. And they, like, I think they're a great example. Uh, Apostrophe took this really incredible software that they were building, a Node.js CMS, and mm -hmm. they tooled it specifically for Kimpton and for um, Michelin Tire Group. And mm -hmm. then they took that thing and they named it and then they sold it to other people, right? They like solved someone's problem and then packaged it up really well and now they're selling it. Instead of just saying like, oh, I built it. Why isn't anyone buying it? It's like, because you don't know that it's the right thing. You know, you don't have right, the proof. Right. You think yeah. in your closet that it's the right thing, but really it's like, it's potentially too many features or too few features or whatever. So gather that social proof, aim to get, you know, if you can, like two solid testimonials. I think you okay. need more, but two is a good okay. number. Get two case okay. studies. Try and, and, and even better, make a case study. Yep. Okay. And a case study is right, simple. Yeah. Like the formula for a case study, I think people like overwork like what a case study has to be. It's a headline. Mm -hmm. Company X did Y without Z using our software. Like that's your headline. Okay. Okay. Um, so it could be like a video. It could even be just like an easy video interview or or something like that. Eh? Or yeah. Yep. But people want bullets. They want to be able to skim. So yeah, yeah. yeah video is great, but like have punches, have a good headline. The headline should be like, again, you know, how Adobe used one-stop dev shop to build out a new mobile app in 30 days after their previous tech company ghosted them. Like, yeah, that's the case study headline. Come up yeah. with what that is. And maybe you got to get creative, but like figure no, out that like hook. It. And then yeah. someone reads that. They're like, oh, shit, I got to read more. And then the rest of it says like, I just say like, what was the problem? What did we recommend? What was the outcome? Take action now. Yeah. Okay. So you have that social Gr proof. Okay, great. So uh, what's the next step? After social proof, what are you going to do? So social proof does two things. I think first, it forces you to actually get a result. So you know that your product is worth something. And the second thing is it gives you collateral to show other people. So you're not saying, just take my word for it, right? Like you say, yeah. don't take my word for it. Take their word for it. Okay. So once you have that, you produce it on your website. And I also think you can do a couple standalone emails. And that standalone email is anyone who opts in, who asks questions or whatever. You can send them an email that has you know, very simple social proof in it. Uh, okay, so once you have that and you, you're kind of building your mousetrap, then the next thing you got to do, I think, is you got to sell people one-on-one. -on -one. Any product I want to sell, I'm going to sell face-to-face one-on-one because I want to see the person and I want to hear their objections and I want to see their face and like I want to know what's why they're not saying yes. Okay. And when I have sales calls for new services that we'll offer or new products, I'm not always just looking for the sale. Like, obviously, I want the sale. Mm -hmm. But every no I get, if I can get a qualified no, like I can afford it, right? I have a need for it, but no, I don't want to work with you. Okay, cool. Why? What yeah. did I get wrong? Like, mm -hmm. just be curious because you're trying to find like this perfect fit. And if you just get like emotional and you're like, you know, shit, like I lost the sale. Ugh. It's like, like okay, like, move on to the next one. There's more opportunity. Have a longer timeline to make this a success. Um, 
just like having that that mental frame and then it's going out and trying to make the sales so go make the sale and i'm tempted to encourage you the listener to try to make a one-to-many sale and if you're selling a 50 dollars a month time tracking software and you make you know you work all week and make one sale is that a good thing or a bad thing you know i would say that's a great thing like yeah it took all week yeah especially in the beginning right in the beginning, you're just launching. You want it, as you say, you want that social proof, but you want it, it. You know, you want that momentum to build from users. Yeah. And your first paid so, customer is like, I mean, that's your homeboy right there, right? Like, they, that's a yeah. big deal. Yeah. So, if you can go make a sale and it takes you a lot of effort, and if you look at your hourly rate after that's all done, you built this whole product and you made one sale and it took you a week to make the sale and yada yada, and you're out hundreds of hours to make fifty bucks a month. That seems a little scary, but that's where momentum starts to pick up. So make that first sale, make it face-to-face. And if you can, see if you can make a one-to-many. Don't go sell one seat to your time tracking software. Go to someone and go sell 20 seats, 50 seats, 100 seats, and maybe discount them as you have to. But just make the sale and get a customer load in there and have that be able to pay bills, like some bills your lunch bill, right? right. Like it starts to stack. When you say one to many, are you saying, are you suggesting like a webinar or are you suggesting like to sell like an account manager that has maybe 30 accounts under him? Yes, more like the account manager. So okay. you can go sell to like the individual on the time tracking software. You can go sell to the individual contractor who's just logging their own time. Or mm-hmm. you can go sell to an agency that uses offshore labor that you know yeah. that you've got a relationship with and say like hey yeah. like can I get you guys on this I'll give you 30 days for free and then I'll give you a great lifetime discount can I get yeah. you locked in mm-hmm. and I'll listen to you whenever you have requests and I'll take them into consideration and I might you know build them out and they'll say okay you know and then you'll have to like put in the labor of getting them up to speed and you'll realize that your training sucks and you got to work on that and it's a lot of lot of effort but you're also building a system that's going to pay you for a lot less labor in the future Right. And if you find that client avatar where there's maybe many customers underneath that one, you know, you've essentially found a a formula that you can go out and repeat and get hopefully many customers from each one of those contacts. Absolutely. And they know someone. So don't just say like, oh, now I know that this person, this type of person buys, like how, how else can I find people? Just like ask that guy, you know, some account manager just bought your software and two months in, he's happy. Like, hey, man, um, can I bug you for 30 minutes? I'd love to stop by, ask you a couple questions to get your experience because you're going to build a case study on it, right? Yeah. And then at the end of those questions, like, how'd you feel before you used our software? What was it like to get onboarded? What is it like now? And what would you tell other people that were interested in maybe joining? Four simple questions. And then you have an additional question at the end, which is, um, who else do you know? that you think would be a good fit for this. I'd be happy to give you a referral fee if I sign up with any of your you know, contacts. Okay. And boom, and- just like, yeah, give them the first month referral. Just as a quick note, don't give a monthly fee. I hate that math. I think that really Recurring. hurts for okay, your- Recurring, yeah. Recurring. Yeah. Okay. If you want to give anyone anything, I think a lot of times you can just ask for the goodness from people. Like, Hey, Jordy, do you know anyone who needs time tracking software? And you'd be like, I don't know, Casey, let me think. And I follow up with you in a week and you're like, yeah, I know this one guy. And and I don't offer to pay you anything because we're friends. Yeah, like, that's right. I, I think yeah. that that's fair. But yeah. if you don't know the person that well and you think it's necessary to incentivize it, say, and I'll be happy to give you the first month fee. Okay. But don't give them anything past the first month. 
Okay, that makes sense. But what about guidelines? I mean, for making calls, I mean, at what point is it not worth your time? Or do you feel like it's always worth your time to get on the phone with someone? Because, I mean, some people are, you're going to get pushback, you know, but, well, I can't do that with my product. It doesn't justify it, you know. Well, how do you determine that level of when it's not and when it's not worth calling someone? So I go back to my experience working in an agency and I worked with, I think, some pretty talented developers and they were technically very good, but they were shy around other people. And maybe it's just their disposition that they found themselves, you know, coding more than like socializing or whatever, but they weren't confident selling. And if someone listening to this feels that way, like they're a great developer, but they're not a great salesperson, um, mm -hmm. I want to share with you something that I, I would call him like a grandfather in marketing. His name is Dan Kennedy. He's like yeah. this grumpy dude out of Ohio, right? You know, Dan. Yeah. Great copywriter, marketer. Yep. Yeah. Killer guy. Uh, and he said something like, and I'll butcher the quote, but it's something along the lines of like, the lawyer who makes the most money is the one who stops practicing law and starts practicing marketing. Mm -hmm. right? It's the developer who makes the most money who stops developing and starts marketing and selling. So mm. you have to either shift your mentality to say, I have to figure out how to sell this thing. It doesn't mean you have to be the salesperson long-term, but you have to understand sales. You have to understand sales psychology and you have to go out and make sales. The reason I'm successful is because I'm not afraid to make sales. You know, I can go make a sales call, pitch it. I can pitch anything. And if the person says, no, it doesn't hurt me. You know, I don't lose any sleep because it's just the act of sales. Sales is the opportunity for someone to say no to you. That's okay. Right. Essentially, someone that might say, oh, I'm not good at sales. What they're essentially saying is they're afraid of rejection. Is that what, what do you think? I think they're saying, I'm afraid of rejection. Yeah, I'm afraid of the social stigma of yada, yada. I think sales is bad. I think if I build a strong enough product, people will want it and I won't have to sell them. I don't want to have to sell my product. You know, I want people just to come to me. Um, yeah, great. Me too. <laughs> totally. And yeah. Uh, what force would you use to stop a child from touching a hot stove? Right? Uh, hold them back. I'd drop kick a kid, right? Yeah, I, mean, I would use yeah. like significant force. I'd have yeah. no problem grabbing the kid and throwing them to the ground if it stopped them from touching a hot stove. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That said, if you solve a problem in your business, what force are you willing to use to show people that your product solves the problem that they have? If you have a SaaS product in time tracking, what's happening is that they're probably, the agency is getting overcharged from their team, mm -hmm. right? So that overcharge is worth what? Thousands of dollars a year, tens of thousands of dollars a year. It's significant. So why wouldn't you fight for these customers or these potential customers to have a better life? Yeah. Do you not believe in your product enough? If that's the problem, then, you know, build another product or go do something yeah. else. But like, believe in what you do, have enough conviction that you're willing to put the force behind it to say like, you need this. And if you don't do it, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a pretty simple calculation. And that comes across, I think, very authentically. And it's not salesy. This is not like, if you don't buy, you know, then the price is going to go up in 10 minutes. It's like, it's not that bullshit. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to feel like that. In my opinion, um, sales really, and I say this all the time, and it, Sales is just talking to people, you know, it's just relationship building and it's just having a conversation, you know, I mean, you might talk to someone and at the end, by the way, you know, do you know someone that 
where this might work out. Or if you're on a sales call, you're really just answering questions about the product and, you know, just sort of guiding them and hopefully you've qualified the prospect enough that, you know, sales is really easy. If you're just, just talking to people, it shouldn't feel like uncomfortable or, you know, especially if yeah. you believe in your product. And go to the sales call with curiosity. Don't yeah. go to sell the product. I had a sales call just before this call and mm -hmm. I joined and I was like, tell me about it. Like, what's your business? What do you do? What are your problems? What are the opportunities? Like, what's up? You know, tell mm -hmm. me what's going on. And the person laid out all of the issues, right? Mm -hmm. Our revenues down this year because of COVID, because we do sales of a product that gets used when people are face to face and, you know, all these other issues. And I'm like, okay, have you thought about a digital product? Like, because you could maybe sell that. And we discussed it. And at the end, I was like, okay, based on everything you told me, I think I can help. Do you mind if I share how? I literally yeah. said that. And she said, yeah, yeah please. She's like, uh -huh. please, that's why I was on the call. So then I just got yeah. invited to pitch. So yeah. I said, okay, so you said this thing, and I think that this is the outcome that you need. Is that right? And she goes, yeah, okay, here's how we can help. We can do these things to help you. She's like, oh, great. And I was like, yeah, but the price for that's pretty high, it's this. But we also mm -hmm. have this other package where we can do these other things, and here's the price for that. And she's like, oh, that sounds really good. Yeah. So. I'm not overly persuasive on sales calls. I don't recommend anyone else be. Just be factual and lay out the pain. And maybe think of like your silver bullet question. In sales, what's your silver bullet question? So you write this down. In marketing, I can say, do you know for every marketing dollar you spend, how much money you make back in profit? It's a silver bullet question. Because like the answer is almost always no. Yeah. So your question on your time tracking software, your silver bullet question is, do you know what percentage of build hours are artificially inflated because you don't have time tracking software? Yeah. Ask that question and that person's mm -hmm. gonna squirm. They're not gonna be yeah. able to answer it. They're gonna That's worry right. about it, right? And like, yeah. all you're doing is solving that problem. They may not have attention on that problem in their life and you're just bringing it up. Mm -hmm. So for the rest of their life, whenever they get time logs in the back of their mind, they're going to be like, God damn it. Like how much of this time did they make up? Because there's no time tracking software. Ugh, I need time tracking software. So I would consider that in your sales. That makes sense. And that's not like being pushy. It's just like asking, I think, a very honest question. No, you're just asking a question. That's right. Do you follow, you, you, you have a sales script or do you loosely have a formula or do you recommend people build a sales script? Yeah. So if, uh, as of late, we've launched a new service and we've been driving leads and, and having sales conversations from it. And I'm finding that I'm a little rusty. Like I'm not doing a great job on these sales calls. My close rate isn't as high as it should be. Okay. And the reason is because I'm being too lazy and not following a sales script. So I've right. re-implemented a sales script. Okay. I would say that the best salespeople follow a sales script. I think that's right. Well, and you have to, once you have a sales team, you really have to have a script, right? For you sure just, you do. You know, because there's going to be some sales guys that are better than the others and they can just in naturally sell. You need to have a script. Um, what about channels for SaaS companies? What do you like? I'd like to drop into in more of an enterprise situation after this. We've got social proof. We've got on the phone. We've made a couple of sales. Hopefully they were, um, you know, multi-customer sales. now. Volume starting to pick up. We've got a little bit of spend that we can put into marketing. What channels do you like and would you recommend? Or are they different for different SaaS companies? Yeah, for sure, they're going to be different. There's something in marketing that everyone listening should understand, which is intent. And the notion is, 
if someone has intent, they're obviously more likely to buy. So how do you find intent? Intent is someone actively shopping for a thing for mm -hmm. time tracking software. If you get in front of them with your time tracking software, you have an opportunity to win them. You can also advertise to people who don't have intent, which is I know that they're a, let's say a CIO and they're at a company that does between one and 10 million a year. I don't know if they'd have a CIO, but for the sake of the argument, and you could share with those people be like, hey, we've got this time tracking software. Do you need some? So one is intent based and the other one is not intent based. It's just like demo psycho based, right? Demographic yeah. psychographics. If you can do intent based marketing, you're able to, I think, get a higher conversion rate from the traffic. The problem is, is there's not a lot of places that people show intent. Where do they show intent? Well, they show it on Google almost exclusively. Mm -hmm. So if you're on Google and you type in time tracking software and hit enter, the Google ads that show up are called Google ads on the search network. And that's a great place to be. The problem is, the, I would say it's the easiest ad campaign to set up. And as a result, the most competition and as a result, the highest price per click. Mm -hmm. So if your sales process is weak and you don't have great social proof and you don't get people to submit lead forms easily or purchase your product or whatever, that's going to be an expensive endeavor for you. Certainly not impossible. With Google ads, there's short tail and long tail. Short tail keywords are time tracking software. Someone Googling mm -hmm. that time tracking software or mm -hmm. isn't toggle time tracking software. So they might yep, be searching right. toggle. Mm -hmm. Those are short tail keywords. Those will have the most competition. Those will have the highest price. But then the long tail ones are what? Things like how to track my team's time. Mm-hmm. It, that's a longer keyword. There's going to be less search volume. But as a result, you're going to find that competitors aren't advertising on that. And if you pick up these long tail keywords, you might be able to get much cheaper clicks still with good intent and be able to convert those people. Okay. So that sounds like this to go for paid search, but go for long tail, lower competition, lower costs, and sort of start driving traffic that way. Yeah. And the problem there is that you might have 50 or 100 keywords that you're targeting mm -hmm. right so that's like that's just there's just like a lot happening there to have you know mm -hmm. good ads for each keyword because you want each ad to be representative of the keyword that the person's searching so yeah like that's kind of a pain but also it's getting you traffic immediately like you can set that campaign up and then in an hour it can be approved and you can be getting the traffic it's beautiful yeah yeah um, here's what you got to know that when you know what keywords work on google you can then build out your SEO campaign. Okay. Too many companies build out an SEO campaign before they have proven keywords. Yeah. Like go spend money on Google ads, know that the traffic coming from that keyword is good and high quality and that they buy, and then uh -huh. put in effort to build good content. And you can use a SaaS tool called Arefs. Yeah. So you can use software called Arefs, A-H-R-E-F-S.com, and Arefs will uh, pull together kind of all the Google information that you need to know about how difficult it is to rank for a keyword, how many backlinks you need to the page, that kind of stuff. And then you can get a content brief from an SEO person and that person will say, hey, go write a page and that page needs to have, this is the title, this is a H1 tag, this is an H1 tag, this is an H1 tag. Go fill it up, give me 2000 words. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then you post that on your site and now you have the content and Google wants to see that content and you just like satisfied Google's need there. And then all you have to do is get some links to that page. So how do you get links? You go on podcasts. That's a really great way to get links because this podcast, Jordy, you're going to post on your website and you're going to give a link back to my site, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. great. 
go collect links like that. For some keyword terms, you need one, two, three, four, five links just to be on the first page of Google. Others, uh -huh. you need thousands. Yeah. So you can start ranking for those longer tail keywords just by building that inbound SEO content. Okay, I like that. So those are two marketing campaigns that you can do. One is short-term, Google Ads. And like mm -hmm. I say short-term, maybe you always run Google Ads because it's profitable, but you then build out your SEO campaign and expect to take a while. We're doing internally a SEO campaign and we're expecting 12 months for us to rank on the first page of Google. It's a long time. We're getting zero results for 12 months and then we'll get all of our results after that. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a big commitment. But I mean, as you say, it's long tail and it could be paying dividend. It's a company asset in four or five years if you're getting that consistently month after month traffic to those articles that you wrote you know, yeah. a year ago. And I would say that um, SEO is... It's something you have to think about right now. Everyone listening, know your top SEO keywords. And then mm -hmm. just like do the basic on-page stuff, like set your title tags, set your meta description, put some H1 tags, write enough content on the web page for Google to understand that it is about the keyword. Like just do that stuff and it's gonna benefit you and then build your backlink profile naturally if you want, or you can go out and you know maybe you pay for backlinks. Google frowns on that, but everyone does it. So mm -hmm. just know that that mm -hmm. happens. But this process here, um, you might be thinking like, how expensive is it? You could pay someone less than $1,000 a month all in for content writing, backlinking, you know, page building, like the whole shebang, less than a thousand bucks a month, low and slow. Writing as well. Yeah. 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 Which and seems like it's a pretty good return. Yeah. Let's move to an enterprise. They've already got traffic and they're rolling out like a new product. Let's say they're, they're pivoting and they're rolling out a, a different product. Like, you know, so now we're getting into more of a traditional CMO role. What are you going to do there for that customer? And let's be specific. This is a SaaS guy. Maybe he just got funded. He got an extra two million, and he wants to, you know, kind of blow out his marketing. What What are you going to do? Let's break down that situation. Yeah, awesome. So um, the distinction here is that there's more money to risk, which means we can run more tests faster. If yeah. you're bootstrapping this, don't risk it. Like, don't mm -hmm. risk on big, crazy ideas because you're probably going to fail and it's going to suck, right? So if you're bootstrapping, stick with maybe Google Ads. Um, stick mm -hmm. with your reach out. Stick with a Twitter outreach campaign. Like, stick with, like, very small, manageable things. SEO. If you have an enterprise company, well, my first question to any enterprise company, and actually a question that I asked just before this on that sales call was, I said, it seems to me that you could pull a list of every potential buyer for your product because they you know, fall into government agencies and this and that and this and that, and you know, schools and hospital groups. An email list you're talking about? No, I, I just mean like a total customer list. So okay. she could say, yes, at schools, it is the person who is the head of, I don't know, operational purchasing. And they have these three titles and they, you know, it's these three titles working at a hospital in the United States, in a city larger than X, and the hospital has to do more than $5 million a year in you know, production. We can go pull that list from somewhere, right? Like that's a knowable list. Oh, right, okay. And I literally mean a list of the people. Like Angela works at this hospital in this city, and here's her email address, and here's her, here's her phone number, and here's their mailing address. Like mm -hmm. you can go pull that. Where do you pull that? Um, there's a Y Combinator backed startup called Apollo.io. Yeah, I'm a customer. Cool. And yeah. everyone listening here can get on their free trial uh, and see just about everything. It's great. It's great software because it literally does that. You know, you can, it's got 
200 million contacts in there. So you, you're going to find your customer in there. And with Apollo, you can say, oh, I have this one customer that I really like. You look them up and that customer has an industry associated with them and keywords and a revenue. And you can do a search on industry keywords and revenue to find all the other companies that are similar to them. Mm-hmm. And then you can pull the contacts. And then you know you pay per contact to export. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Once you have those contacts and you have this known list, go go target it. Go get them. How do you go get them? Well, the first kind of caveat here is if it truly is a limited audience, time tracking software is kind of for everybody, you know, yeah. which is great but also bad. You yeah. know, time tracking software for photographers, you know, might be a better niche to specialize in. But you know, that's another question. But let's say the enterprise company. What you don't want to do is you don't want to burn your relationships with these people. Because right. if you only have a thousand or two thousand targets, like that's really not that many. So you want to show that you can solve the problem in a way that isn't overly pushy. But you need to like be pretty clear. So I like cold email. I think cold email is great. But okay. before we get into cold email, if there's like a gun to my head and I had to make this happen, I had to like make a sale in the next week, here's what I'd do. I'd pull that list. I'd go on Apollo. I'd pull that list for free. I'd figure out everyone in my city. I live in Philadelphia. I'd figure out their information. I'd go to their LinkedIn. I'd go to their Facebook. I'd figure out who they are, who I have connections with, and I'd go find them. I would literally go meet them. Oh, you would go... Well, let's say that's not feasible if somebody... Okay. uh, But we get your point. You could go to Facebook and set up a video call or something like that, which is basically... Yeah, you could. But yeah, sure. I I mean, really what I would want to do here is like, not let the complexity of marketing get in the way of sales. So mm-hmm. go make the sale. Yeah. And if if you want more leverage, right? Because you're an enterprise company and it doesn't make sense to make one sale. You know, you got to make more than that. And you have a sales yeah. team or whatever. Then I would start leveraging um, cold email. And there's a great website. It's, I'm going to check it real quick. It's goodsalesemails.com. Oh, and nice. Yeah, it's SaaS companies like Mixpixel, Gusto, ProsperWorks, AdRoll, uh, sales loft, datarama, just a bunch of companies. And whoever's behind this, all they do is they get these emails from these companies and they just like catalog them and they're on the website. <laughs> I said like it. Yeah, go like go look at it and say like uh all right, I scroll down and I'm gonna say wavefront. I look at wavefront and they have a single email. Okay, that's okay. But some of these have multiple emails. Okay, here's what I'm looking at. It's left productions and they have an email that goes out on day zero one that goes out on day two, one on day six, one on day seven, one on day 10, one on day 14. Wow, a two-week campaign. But I bet it's effective. So they have that campaign that rolls out to those people. And what I would do if I were you, you know, whoever's listening, go pull up this website, Good Sales Emails, and rewrite the emails for Left Productions for your product. Mm-hmm. Just go rewrite yeah. them. Left, yeah. like They put a lot of money behind it. You don't have to be creative. You don't have to write this from the ground up. This is not like, you're not going to win any prizes for originality. Mm-hmm. So that's one way. Um, another thing to keep in mind is write like you're writing to your mom. Have you ever sent your mom an email, Jordy, and had a subject line that says, exclusive offer for you today if you sign up now? No, of course not. Yeah. No. What's your subject line to your mom? It's like, hey, mom, or it's like, yeah, whatever the question is, like, whatever I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, right. So use those subject lines. I mean, the first subject line here for Left Productions is just the word call. Yeah. I find high open rates on emails like free on Wednesday. 
Yeah, yeah. Or can I call you? Or a quick question. Those sorts totally. of things. Yeah. yeah. So then write that email and then be clear. You might say like, oh, Casey, that sounds like pretty cringy that you're going to be so clickbaity. But like you're not being clickbaity. You're being honest. You're trying to get someone to open it. That's all you're trying to do. Is you, yeah. you got to get past that open is the biggest hurdle on the outbound. When I was um, single, I was dating online. And mm -hmm. I knew the only way that I could ever get a date is if I had a conversation with someone. Pretty mm -hmm. simple, right? Yeah. The only way I can have a conversation with someone is if I send them a message and they open it. So yeah. my subject line on those messages had to be so good that they got opened because these women were getting bombarded with messages. Mm -hmm. So figure out what subject line has the highest open rate and then use that. Right? Yeah. And then have an honest conversation with people. And it worked. So I, th I like cold email. And the point of cold email is not to sell the person, but it's to get them on a call. Right. right? It's not to send them a website. It's to get them on a call. Yeah. To say, hey, we solved this problem for companies like yours. And I thought this might be a good fit for you. Do you mm -hmm. have 10 minutes to chat this week? Mm -hmm. something like that it's simple you don't have to get crazy here you don't have to say like and if i waste your time i'm going to donate money to a nonprofit. like none of that stuff is necessary just be direct most people will say no or they'll say unsubscribe for technology apollo.io does this internally you can use it i think that's okay but i like reply yeah uh, so reply.io yeah but auto close is another one that's fine i mean they're all a dime a dozen and yeah. you can just use it tied in with a Gmail inbox. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that cold email is great. PPC is great. SEO is great. I think cold LinkedIn is awesome too. Um, okay. With LinkedIn, your role should be with LinkedIn is to have a profile that says what you do and what problem you solve. Mm -hmm. Like your headline shouldn't be like CEO of blah, blah, blah. It should be like, I help agencies save 20% or more on contractor charges due to overages. Yeah. Right. Like that's the problem you solve. I solve it with time tracking software or whatever, but update your bio, that line under your headline or under your name in um, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Uh, have a good profile photo and then have a good summary of what you do. And then just go connect with people. You can use software like meetalfred.com or ducksoup, D U X hyphen soup.com, I think. These uh, are LinkedIn or, tools, eh? LinkedIn tools. And okay. those maybe are against LinkedIn's terms of service, but I think they know. are now. I'm definitely seeing uh, that they are now. So, you know, your mileage may vary, but the general idea here is you can get a LinkedIn sales navigator trial account, probably for two months if you've never done it before. And then it's like 70 bucks a month, but you get two months of like nearly unlimited outreach and you can go pull great lists of people like Apollo, those lists, but you uh -huh. can pull it in on LinkedIn and connect with people. And I just think it's like, it's a no brainer. Go connect with people. You should always have a LinkedIn campaign running. Just have it run. And you're going to mm -hmm. be sending out five friend requests a day, 10 connection requests a day. And as a result, you should be able to get one or two sales calls a week. Okay. Yeah. And I find that every time we run a new LinkedIn campaign, we always make a sale. Like always. Yeah. Okay. So, that's good. And those, again, it's the same idea with LinkedIn. It's just like you're asking for a conversation. So those are four great ways that you can grow your SaaS business with marketing. And it, focus on those. Don't focus on all the other stuff that you can do. Don't touch social media. Like, Delete your social media accounts because I think it's the biggest waste of time. Stick with the things that are tried and true and then build real relationships with people. And then the last final thing here is on some kind of interval, mail people on your mailing list. So someone comes to your website, they're interested, you know, they download something, you got them on a mailing list, or you kind of with them, you put them on a mailing like list. Like a nurture sequence. 
it, but it doesn't have to be every week. Like no one cares about your time tracking software every single week. Yeah. So like give them something valuable once a quarter. Uh huh. Or like when you really need a sale, just like mail them and then you'll get your sale. But don't think you have to live in this world of like daily, weekly, you know, like monthly newsletters is the biggest bullshit, I think, for most companies. Yeah. Right. Just like, give them the value. And I think something that's really great value is go get on a podcast and then email the podcast out. I will do that to the people listening to this podcast. And then the people on my mailing list will listen to this podcast and they'll be like, oh, that's what he just did to me. But I think it's an effective route. Excellent. Okay, great. Casey, we're getting to the end of uh, the hour that we agreed upon. How can people find you? Yeah, thanks for asking. So if you're looking for a fractional chief marketing officer to build your marketing strategy and help you build your bench to deploy it, you can reach out to me and we can have a conversation. My website is cmox.co. And on the site, you can download, we've got a seven KPI that all CEOs must know. So it's all your marketing KPIs. It's a free little download. You can hit that or you can schedule a time to talk with me for 30 minutes. And then additionally, cmox.co slash hire is the training so that you can hire an in-house marketing technician. And then we also have another webinar on there about agile marketing. If you're interested in how to take the agile development approach and apply it to marketing, all for free. Great. Okay, Casey, I really like that approach. And I'm going to think about doing that for my own marketing. And I hope anyone that's listening will consider it for them, especially, you know, the free ones like SEO and things like that. It's not free, but the ones starting thinking about Longdale keywords. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Jordy. Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software big break could be right around the corner. <music>